I believe there's a hero in all of us. You have great powers, only some of which you have yet discovered. I'm a superhero, my A real-life superhero. The world needs extraordinary. We will make you a superhero. Are you ready to become the hero? Initiating surprise in three. This, two, is one. The Real Brian Show. Are you ready to shoot the breeze? You know, anything goes on this show. It's positive. It's a variety. We nerd out on the things that we're all excited about. We unleash our superhero to be and live the life we want to live and positively impact those around us. And we have fun. So let's end this week right. Let's talk about some fun generational uniquenesses that Captain found. Wheel of Time, Expanse, Peacemaker, other shows we're watching, new music, some cool things that I learned in a conference last week, and our perspectives on everything. Because you know what? Our perspectives are always right. You guys are retarded. Let's rock it. Yes, it's The Real Brian Show. Thank you for joining us. Welcome, 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 welcome. Idiot. That was terrible. Idiot. <laughs> guys are retarded. We don't really believe that our perspectives are always right. I mean, most of the time, sure, but, you know, once in a while. In fact, there was this one time where I, I thought I was wrong. But I was mistaken. It happens. It happens. I know. I know. For the best of us, you get yeah. it. Yeah. So uh, yeah, anyway, no. Yeah, you know. You get it. <laughs> <laughs> you get it. Welcome to the Real Brian Show. Thank you seriously for joining us. Really appreciate it. And for those of you uh, listening on the podcast, let us do it to you in your eardrums. And uh, for those of you here on YouTube, thank you so much. Really appreciate it. We're just <laughs> even know what that just meant. <laughs> <laughs> he, he didn't mean it like that. No, no, it's yeah. you guys are retarded. I know, I know, man. I'm just gonna say it again. Like we're oh my gosh, dude. So guess what just happened? Microsoft uh, bought Blizzard. Yeah. I know. Weird. What? What? I mean, what? What? Okay, so Activision Blizzard. Yeah. <sighs> For those of you who are like World of Warcraft, Blizzard. Wait, the 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 storm got bought. Blizzard, the gaming company. Yeah, World of Warcraft, Diablo, Diablo. Overwatch, uh, shoot, Starcraft. Starcraft. Oh, there's a lot in there, you know? A lot although, of, although Call of Duty is by far their biggest that's true. title these days. So That's yeah. true. Okay, so in my experience with Microsoft, whatever they touch kind of craps out. Um, Interesting. They bought Skype. Skype used to be amazing. And then they bought Skype, and Skype sucks now. Uh, well, know, no one uses it either. So. Well, that's, I know, I know. So then you look at, um, well, and then of course Microsoft just puts out stuff that's never ready. You know, it needs 14 billion patches. Uh, then there's the other side of things where you've got anything that's part of Xbox Game Pass, which is Microsoft's service, always has problems. Always, you know, you probably will not have a problem with that game on a different platform if you're on Steam or something else. But when you're on Xbox, you will very likely have a problem somehow. And they don't hmm. fix it. I'm a little worried. I'm not going to lie. Because one thing about <laughs> Blizzard is that is even though it takes them, you know, 40 years to get a game out, like, hey, Diablo 4, they announced back in, you know, 1965, still hasn't come out yet. It takes them forever to, <laughs> to get a game out. But the truth is, when it's out, they do a very nice job of making sure things are optimized and everything works out really well. I'm really worried that Microsoft is just going to kill things because they are notorious. I'm sorry. I'm a little biased here, but they're yeah. they're notorious for kind of killing things and putting things out in ways that it's not optimized, it's not ready to go, it needs patches, all that. Then again, maybe it'll be fine. I don't know. 
it what, all what depends think? on how it all depends on how much they allow Activision Blizzard to manage themselves uh, after they buy them. So, yeah. it, for some weird reason in the corporate world, whenever whenever one corporation buys out another corporation, they do some sort they they do a merging of of staff, right? But in this case, though, you know, they do a merging of staff and then they fire, you know, they lay off a bunch of people to economize their workforce, right? Yeah. Well, especially in the upper echelons, but. When in this case, Microsoft, I mean, I don't, I don't know how much of a merge there's going to be. They're just acquiring Blizzard and Activision. So true. Um, so we can hope that there's less of an impact on their personnel and their programming side and their, their, their game development side, et cetera. But that's just a, it's, it's just a a hope, you know, we can cross our fingers and and hope for the best. So yeah. And you know, the, the, the thing that happens with a lot of these things too is, you know, corporations get in and they make decisions based on numbers, based on money. Right. And they, they really do not consider the people at all. Like the consumers, they don't consider the people that are working for Blizzard or anything like that. This happens yeah. everywhere. And only in so far as it impacts their bottom line. They, they, yeah. they do, but only in so far as it impacts their bottom line, yeah. which can be good, but a lot of times Sometimes. usually is not. And it usually does kind of impact. So, you know, I like what Seven Blue Seven said is that clearly there needed to be a change, though, in the Blizzard leadership. Obviously, there's been a lot going around True. with some of the stuff that's been happening with some of those people, which was not good, not healthy, certainly not right. respectful in any way. So that's okay with me as long as it's not going to impact the games and the quality of the games that they're putting out. You know, what if right. they go, oh, well, you know, what the heck? We'll just, we'll, we'll make World of Warcraft a free service. Well, that would be fun. We don't have to pay for it, but then I guarantee things are going to go downhill and there's going to be bugs galore and stuff. So who knows? It, yeah. We'll see. I mean, I'm, I'm hoping for the best. I hope this is a positive move, but I just have never seen a positive scenario where when Microsoft has bought something that it's gone better. It's either stayed the same or it's gone downhill. But Interesting, I don't yeah. know. I mean, yeah. I, I, it's not, and I don't hate Microsoft. It's just they're big, man. They're, they're big and, and they're notorious for putting things out before it's ready. That's my thing. I hear you. Yeah. We'll see what yeah. happens. Well, yeah, we'll see what happens. It is, but that was a very surprising development. I, we just yeah. noticed uh, last this, this week. So I think the other thing that I'm concerned about, and this goes for anything though, is when you get too many large corporations buying out others, then you start to get into that monopoly problem, which True. then as a consumer, you pretty much get screwed because they're just yeah, going to say, well, hey, we're the only one. So eat it. But you know, Comcast slash Xfinity did that a while ago. They ended up kind of buying things up and then all of a sudden they were kind of the only provider for us here in Colorado. Well, I mean, really the only one that actually worked. There was other providers, but you know, they they weren't even on the same page when it comes to speed or anything like that. And they knew it and they charged for it and they kind of raised their middle finger at you and kind of said, (laughs) oh, well, we're the only ones. Well, then a competitor came in locally and now they're kind of like, oh, we better give you service and we're going to give you deals and we're going to, we want your business because you might go to this other company. And that's what I'm saying. Like competition is so good. It's so healthy. It's needed. I took business law. I mean, I was a business major. My gosh, one of the biggest concerns is the whole monopoly side of things. And so you got to be careful about that. Competition. Yep. 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 So, uh, praise the indie Game makers, I guess. Well, yes. <laughs> I don't know. Even though, even though there's almost no indie games that I have ever played or or bought, because I'm just I'm a little skittish about indie stuff. Yeah. I know that that's that's all on me. That's my fault. 
And I'm, I'm a block. I'm a triple A games guy. I just, I am, know. So, but see, that's the problem yeah. in general because you talk about podcasts, you talk about YouTube videos, you talk about movies, you talk about music, you talk about games. What do we do? What do we consume? The ones that we're told about, the ones that have a multi million dollar budget, well, or even a big budget. Let's just even say, you know, they have a big budget, period. They get it in front of you and you go, well, it must be good because somebody told me about it. It's been marketed well. I mean, you've said how many times you hate marketers, but it, the truth is, is that <laughs> that's what we consume and we don't know about everything else that's out there. If I had a genius crack marketing company for the real Brian show, dude, we, we'd be retired, man. Well, speaking of um, interesting things about YouTube and podcasting and stuff, it was actually on a really cool online conference this last week, which was neat. It was good that they did an online. Obviously, they're, you know, they're not sure about doing in person on all, but they did a really cool idea. It was a cool scenario with all Zoom based. In the past, you know, I've been some, I've been to some of these online conferences and they'll do more YouTube style. You're watching, you're a spectator. You can participate in the chat and the comments and stuff like that, but it's not really that interactive. This was one giant Zoom meeting. It was so cool. Now, granted, they ended up having to break it up into two different rooms because I think you can max out at like 120 people or something like that per room. Okay. So that was really neat. There was a lot of interaction though. And then what they would do is they would periodically break us up into rooms of six people where we would discuss things we've learned, things we want to apply. That was cool, by the way. Interesting. And huh. the other thing that was really good, and I liked this because most conferences, they'll bring speakers that are teachers, coaches, business people, and that's really all you learn about. And you think about, okay, YouTube clearly, podcasting and YouTube is clearly far more than that. And I've always been saying, why can't we have speakers at these conferences that are gamers or they do something in the entertainment business? How did you become successful with that? They did. They finally did. They brought actually a couple of gamers in. They brought, of course, the coaches and the business people as well. But they also brought people that are in the music industry and did some other things. So it was really, really cool. So I feel like I finally learned some stuff, <laughs> which was, you know, kind of refreshing to see this. And, and so far, this is probably the best conference I've been to as far as the takeaways and the interaction. Now, granted, nothing, nothing beats being in person, unfortunately. Um, you know, you just, the, the best thing about conferences that I've loved is, yeah, great. Go to the sessions, but it's out in the hallways where the magic is made. You're meeting people, yeah. you're connecting. You're sharing stories. You're, you're masterminding together. You're going to dinner. And I mean, that's where you stay up until four in the morning and get up at six. You know, it's just, it's awesome, man. It's just a good time. But you know, you don't have that online, which sucks, but there were some neat themes throughout the conference. I really feel like this applies to any of us. One question is like, what's your narrative? And I was kind of like, what does that mean? Like, who are you to the world around you? What is it that you bring to this world? Whether, you know, whether you've got a, a podcast or a YouTube channel or you're just hanging out in life and, you know, being a friend to somebody, what's your narrative? They also asked like, how can you stand out in a, in a positive way? Of course, you know, some people are like, I don't want to be noticed. Okay. I mean, <laughs> deep down, we all want to be noticed in some way. Maybe you're an introvert and you don't want to be noticed in a crowd. That's fine. But everybody likes to be noticed for something somehow. So what is that? What is that thing that gets you to stand out and, and be, you know, like uniquely you? Because I think a lot of times, Captain, I don't know, you, you might be the only one that I know that has never actually dealt with this, but like most of us have a tendency to try to be someone else in order to fit in. Hmm. Because if we don't fit in, we're, we're exiles. And so, well, I was just being myself and, and they didn't want me. 
Well, then I guess I better change who I am in order to be accepted so that I have friends or whatever. Interesting. It happens all the time, by the way. In fact, most people I know have gone through this. I think I seriously believe actually you're the only one I think I know that has never, ever dealt with that. At least that's what you've told me. So I don't, yeah, that's hard to say. I say, yeah, that's a really good question, Brian. I can, I'm trying to think of when, when a circumstance would have arisen where I, I felt, and I am, and being perfectly candid, mm-hmm. where I felt like I needed to be a different person. Now I can tell you that I've had groups of friends where I acted differently around that group of friends. Like I, I played a different role in that group. Um, and so my personality would change, but it wasn't to fit in with those friends. It was just, it's something that I established with them without anything being said. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, and I've done so that I've too. Had, I've had, I've done that, but, yeah. but I, I can't think of an instance off the top of my head where I've had to, uh, where, where I've had to modify my own, uh, my own narrative, if you will, uh, or, yeah. or my own pers- personality or whatnot to, so, because I felt like I needed to, to fit in. You know, I think about nerds and geeks right now are are cool. But when we were growing up and actually it wasn't even that long ago that nerds and geeks were still really not accepted. But now it's kind of like, oh, we should probably include them. In fact, there was even somebody I met with, you know, that in our city that was trying to, you know, bring visitors and stuff like that. And I brought up the whole nerd geek community and she looked at me like, why would we want to represent those people? She literally <laughs> said that, too. And I was kind of like, Wow. Um, because there's so many of them. There's now. a lot of them. Yeah. You really don't understand yeah. that. So there is still that, that stigma, but I would say up until maybe six or seven years ago, maybe I didn't like blatantly walk around saying, Hey, look, I love nerdy and geeky things. I'm wearing a Battlestar Galactic. Well, it's actually an office, the office, <laughs> something <laughs> Dwight says, but you know, it says Battlestar. Gal- I would never wear this six years ago. Never because I know that I would have been made fun of. So, I mean, Never, never, never. Oh yeah. Never, never, never did I ever admit that I was a nerd or geek to most people because they would not have accepted me at all in any way. Like even from a business standpoint, I would have said, Hey, I'm a nerd or a geek. They would, they probably would have been kind of like, okay, cool. Nice. Nice to meet you, but we'll call you. Mm. And even, okay. Even Pat Flynn. I mean, there are those of you who know Pat Flynn. He did not really embrace his geek and nerd flag until about six or seven years ago as well. Before that, I mean, I knew he was, but he was really holding back and you could tell. And then all of a sudden it was like, okay, he's just going to wear nerd shirts. He's got, you know, uh, the, the Mandalorian helmet, stormtrooper <laughs> helmet in the background. I mean, clearly he's a nerd now, but he always was. He just didn't really admit it because it wasn't cool to. So, I mean, that's just an example of where I changed who I was mm-hmm. in order to fit in with the people that I was immediately interacting with because I knew that I wasn't going to be accepted. Which is ridiculous, yeah, been, but it's, it's true. I mean, I, I've just been seeped in the nerd geek culture for decades now. And, and, uh, I mean, ever since college, I haven't ever felt the need to fit in anywhere really. Uh, I've just had a gr- set yeah. group of friends that, that, you know, come and go more or less. But, but I mean, I've just had a set group of friends that were all mostly engineers, uh, who were also nerds and geeks, if you will. And, uh, so I've just been in that zone for since basically the early 2000s yeah yeah Yeah. for those of you who have experienced this um which i'm assuming is a lot of us i I just want to encourage to say that you know at this point really the world there there are some things about you know the the narratives going on in the world right now that i i struggle with but at the same time 
there is a very powerful thing going on right now, and that is to be you, be uniquely you. The world needs that. The world wants that from you. Don't be ashamed of it. And that was a huge theme throughout this conference that I really appreciated. And in fact, another another theme, which I liked, in fact, I told you this one, Captain, was the quote, I am an experience, so make it a good one. And that's true. Right. Each yeah. and every one of us is an experience in some way or another. Right. And that's do we make a, it a good one yeah. or a negative one? Right. That's un- inarguable. Yeah. Yeah. So. I really love these kind of quotes, though, that they were talking about and, and the themes about, you know, really understand your narrative and, you know, understand who you are, be yourself. Uh, in fact, there was actually one guy, this was another interesting thing where he was saying, be yourself, but there's a, a line between here's what the world needs and here's what you need to keep to yourself. In fact, that True. even goes back to the whole friendship. What is it? Might even have been, um, Maslow's hierarchy. I'm not even entirely sure, but there's the, uh, Okay, we're we're going to do the uh, the meet the parents thing. You're in the inner circle. <laughs> There's a there is an inner circle of people in your life that get to know who you are fully and intimately and everyone else really does not have that privilege. True. Because they there's just not that depth there. So there was a guy talking about, you know, protecting yourself too. You know, there's there's so much people should know and there's stuff that they shouldn't know. There's just they, they don't deserve to, or they don't need to, or whatever the case may be. And I thought that was interesting. You know, I've never heard that before. Yeah. I mean, I've heard it from other things, but I've never heard it at a conference. So I really appreciated that. Then the last thing I'm going to say is, and this was a big theme too: make a 1% improvement on one thing, whatever it is you want to do each time you do it. So that, that can be in any aspect of your life. And I love that mm. because 1% is so small, but if you just keep making a 1% improvement, it's just going to be massive over time. So it's, yeah, every it's time a lot you do less it, stressful. Right. Yeah. yeah that, what that does is it makes you mindful of what you're doing. Yeah. If you, if you apply that principle to yourself, you, it makes you mindful of what you're doing every time you do it. Yeah. And then you're always striving to improve. Yeah. So that, that's a mindset shift right there. It's, it's the make the 1% improvement. That's a really good one. I think it's important to do on it, everything. I mean, mm-hmm. food you eat, exercise, sleep, attitude. Oh my gosh, attitude right now. That's a huge one. Every one of us suffers from attitude challenges, especially in the the state of the world around us. That's a great yeah. one. Make a 1% improvement. You know, and oh, I just remembered another one, actually. I totally yeah. forgot about. Unsubscribe to people. Not necessarily. This isn't just about social media. Unsubscribe to those who are not aligned with you. And I really oh, liked no. the way that was worded because it's not saying that you get, you know, like, Captain, you and I have different beliefs on stuff. And a little bit. Yeah, well, I, but you know, even if we do, it's like, it's not like we hate each other. We don't get in a fight over it. It's no big deal, right? Yeah, we don't have arguments about it. But you and I are still aligned in many ways. And so I think that, you know, it's not about beliefs. It's not about opinions on something. It's not whether you like the matrix or hated it or not. It doesn't matter. But you're, you're unfollowing, you're unsubscribing people who are not aligned with you and your values and, and what you stand for in this life and stuff like that. And or they don't respect you for those things. And I think a lot of us are afraid to do that, but you know, it's been amazing. Some of the unfortunate, unfortunate interactions that I've had recently. And I take a step back and I just say, maybe it was a healthy thing to have that split, even though I hate that. I hate having that split. Maybe it was a healthy thing, at least for now. Right. Because to to let, to let the wound heal for a while and then pick it up again later. Well, and to just not have interactions that were unhealthy. And bringing me down right. and or bringing that person down, you know, and just right. not yeah. being because, you know, people influence you, whether you, you like it or not, whether you think it does or not, you are influenced by people. That's one of the reasons why 
you know, I, I try to be very careful about who I'm around because it's like, you know, somebody's going to tell me something and it's just kind of like, you know, I, I'm going to, I'm going to, it's going to influence me somehow, whether I actually realize it or not somewhere, it's going to come out that I was like, Oh shoot, I was influenced by that. I didn't even realize it. So that's, it's that's be why careful. I don't read reviews before I want to watch something because I don't it want the reviews so to true. influence me. I know, yeah. I know. And I, I, I used to, and now I don't because of that. So, well, there you go. I just want to, Oh, oh one more thing. This, this one's cool. <laughs> One of one of the conference mates, the actual guys that was there, was Mike Quinn, who played. Now I don't know how to pronounce this, but Nian Nyum, Nian Nyum, something like that. Anyway, Pancake Face. Nian-num. So Return Pancake of the Jedi. Face. That's what we used to call him. Return of the that, Jedi. You know when when the Millennium Falcon Han Solo gives it over to Lando to take on the second Death Star. Lando's co-pilot. Yeah. Pancake face. He looks like he's got layers of pancakes on his face. Yeah. That's what everybody say, called him. People are going, wait a minute. I know the guy, but why do they call him pancake face? Oh yeah. It's because his cheeks look like a stack of pancakes. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's what we called yeah. him. But anyway, that guy was in our conference with us. And also turns out, you know, he's a puppeteer. I didn't know this, but he actually was directly assisting Frank Oz with Yoda too. So he was a big part of Yoda and some of the other, he was in the wow. Muppets. He did a bunch of stuff too. So anyway, That'd he was so there and I was just fun. like, honestly, dude, what be a, fun. Yeah, what a cool. And he was so nice <laughs> and cool. And he's like, anybody want to connect with me? Here you go. So I'm actually going to reach out to him and see if he'll be on the show. Who knows? I mean, yeah. you know, he's, he's an actor. He's done a lot of stuff. Maybe that'd be but fun. He, well, dude, I'm excited because you found something and, and I don't know how we've talked about this a lot on the show. I love talking about the generational side of things. You know, okay, well, Gen X, Gen Z, millennials, baby boomers, you know, what are all the differences? How do we all? Yeah, it, it just fascinates me. I love the whole psyche thing, but you found a bunch of stuff. So tell us this is, oh, by the way, this is like half nerding out half origin too, which I think is kind of yeah, fun. This is taking place in the origin this week. So I, I got curious last week about the exact definitions of the generational, what it turns out are called cohorts. I don't know how many of you knew that uh, generational co- cohorts, such as Gen X, Gen Z, etc. And I found that the, the generational cohorts are not only a sociological tool, they're not only a sociological categorization, but also they're a marketing tool to help to categorize consumer behavior. And so there's a ton of info online, but the best article I found was on kasasa.com, which I believe is a lending site. Uh, but it was a really good article about this. A common source of confusion when labeling generations is their age Generational cohorts are defined loosely by birth year, not current age. That statement confused me because huh. birth year defines your age. So yeah, that sentence didn't make much sense, but let's keep reading. Uh, okay. The reason is simple. Generations get older in groups. If you think of millennials as college kids, 18 to 22, which I do personally, then not only are you out of date, you're thinking about a stage in life, not a generation. Eh, mm-hmm. Again, weird. Uh, yeah. Millennials are now well out of college, as it oh, turns yeah. out, and oh, that yeah. life stage is dominated by Gen Z. Yeah, time flies, man. <laughs> yeah. So, really, what what started me thinking about all this was because I I something I something I was listening to. Uh, they mentioned Gen Gen X, or they mentioned some generational cohort, and I thought, you know, I still don't agree. I still don't get why millennials are counted as you know, as born when they were, I, I would have, I personally, I would have thought that millennials would be, or actually also Gen Y uh, would have been people born like after 1990, for example, but no, it's people born after 1980. Those are millennials. So I think it was, they would be coming of age around the millennium. I think what I, what started me getting curious about this finally was that what, what organization decides what these cohorts Ranges yeah. are. Yeah. 
I, I found who originated like Gen X, for example, that, that term, but I couldn't find who, what organization or group of people decides this generation is from this year to this year, this generation from this year to this year. So, but I did get a lot of definition of what the different generations are. And that's what we're going to share with you. So just in case any of you are curious or have ever wondered. Another example, a member of Generation X who turned 18 in 1998 would now be over 40. In that time, he or she cares about vastly different issues and is receptive to a new set of marketing messages market from the marketing side. Regardless of your age, you always belong to the generation you were born into, of course. Yeah, absolutely. So, unless you identify as something else, right? These days, you can identify as, as I, I'm, yeah. I'm Gen X, but I might identify as something else. I don't know. Well, just really so. quickly, too, one of the things they <laughs> talked about, I don't know if you're going to mention this, but they do mention that if you're born at the tail end of Gen X or at the beginning of Y, there's a year period that they're called Xennials because oh, you're, no. you I relate to that. both generations. And, and I'm actually one of them. So I, I do relate to both because I relate to, Gen, to X and also Millennial, but older Millennial. That's I the see. other thing yeah. that yeah. Okay. Which you, you're going to mention this, but the the gen the millennial age was a broad group like I, I think it was pretty broad as far as the the year ranges and all that and because of all the changes that we've had in our world you know i know some older millennials that they act completely differently than younger millennials i mean like right completely different and even though they're both right. millennials it's it's very bizarre but go ahead and we do get it they actually do get into that there's they actually split the generation y into two categories but we'll 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 get there um the breakdown by age looks like this. So baby boomers, okay, boomer, uh, were born between 1946, right after World War II, mm-hmm. and 1964. So they're currently between 57 and 75 or 76 years old. That yeah. accounts for approximately 71, 72 million people in the United States. Okay. Uh, Gen X, which is what, which is my cohort, uh, was born between 1965 and 1979 or 80. I was born in 76, so I'm near the end of Gen X, but I very, very much identify with Gen X. So they're currently between 41 and 56 years old, and that's about 65 million people in the United States right now. Okay. Generation Y, or millennials, were born between 1981 and 1994 or 96, Hmm. depending on who you ask. They are currently between ages of 25 and 40. And that's about 72 million people in the United States. So that's Um, interesting because I've heard another thing where it was 1980 or 80. In fact, Again, this goes back to who decides what. I've heard it where it was right. 79 until like almost 2000. Yeah. So, yeah, so, so according <laughs> to this source, it was, it was 81 to 94 yeah. or 96. Um, yeah. I think it more goes about actions and beliefs and yeah. lifestyle choices, I think, is what defines you more than anything else. But keep going. And, 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 all, and to, to that point, Brian, uh, another thing that they said defines the generations is uh, sociological uh, events. Yeah. Like millennials were impacted by 9-11, by the uh, rise of the internet. So Generation Y or millennials have been split into two different factions. There's Generation Y.1 and Y.2. Y.1 is 25 to 29 years old, which is around 31 million people. And Y.2 is 29 to 39, around 42 million people. There's another article that explains why they split it up. And it basically has to do with what you just mentioned earlier, is that the early millennials were influenced by different sociological phenomenon you know, in our culture mm-hmm. than later millennials were. So yeah. Cause I think of um, like a, let's just say a 38 year old is going to act very differently than a 25 year old in most scenarios too. most 25 year olds, oh, sure. you know, they may not even be married. They probably don't have kids. 38 year olds probably have all the above, you know, and who knows, but it's, it's just a very different thing. Yep. And then a uh, Gen Z, which is the newest generation. Well, not technically mm-hmm. it's the newest fully formed cohort born between 97 and 2012. 
those are currently between nine and 24 years old uh, and about 68 million in the US. So notice these, yep. the reason I'm bringing these numbers up, because besides the fact they were in this article, is that each of the generational cohorts is roughly around 70 million. Isn't that interesting? Isn't that interesting? And they've yeah. always said, oh, so well, there's so many more in this generation, but it's, it's actually not. Yes, yeah, give or take a million here and there. So, yeah. which, which in a country of 300 plus million is not that much. The most recent generational cohort is Generation Alpha. So they're starting over on the, the alphabet again. They went from, they start, they started, it all started with Gen X. Then they went down the alphabet to Z and then they started over again. So, Interesting. uh, Generation Alpha starts with children born in 2012 and will continue at least through 2025. So we're almost through Gen Alpha. Okay. Uh, and, and then beta, uh, presumably beta will be next. Uh, which, and right now it's approximately 48 million people. So again, we're not to the point where it can approach the 70 million yet. Sure. We've got another couple of years. So the word millennial has become the popular way to reference both segments of Gen Y, mm-hmm. uh, Y.1 and Y.2. So, uh, sometimes labeled with the moniker Zillennials, I haven't heard that before. Uh, those wedged at the tail end of millennials and the start of Gen Z are sometimes labeled with this moniker, uh, a group made up of people born between 94 and the year 2000. Okay. Zillennials. So, so it's the same thing. It's like Xennials, you know, X right. and Y and or X and yep. millennial. And now it's millennial and Z. It's just, yeah. Now, why are generations named after letters? As I mentioned before, it all started with generation X, people born between 65 and 80, 1965 and 80. The preceding generation was the baby boomers and, uh, you know, post World War II. Americans enjoyed newfound prosperity, which resulted in the baby boom. The children born as a result were dubbed the baby boomers. But the generation that followed the boomers didn't have a blatant cultural identifier. In fact, that's the anecdotal origin of the term Gen X, illustrating the under, under, undetermined, excuse me, characteristics they would come to be known by. Uh, depending on who you ask, it was either sociologists, a novelist, or Billy Idol who cemented this phrase in our vocabulary about Billy Idol, because his first band was called Gen- generation X. Interesting. Uh, that was his first, but before he went solo in the eighties, okay, he cool. was in a band called generation X from there on. It was all down alphabet. The generation following gen X naturally became gen Y. The term millennial is widely credited to Neil Howe, along with William Strauss. The pair coined the term in 1989 when the, impending turn of the millennium began began to feature heavily in the cultural consciousness. Okay. So that's what I was saying too, is that like they're, they're going to be coming of age during that time, but then that goes to say that they would be impacted by that turn of the millennium. Yes. Okay. Exactly. Yep. Cool. Yep. You got it. So generation Z uh, born from the late nineties through today, a flurry of potential labels has also appeared, including gen tech post millennials, I generation gen Wi-Fi, and zoomers. Uh, I've heard all those. All, yeah, I have too. All, all interesting little monikers. So yeah, People love to categorize things. I'll tell you yeah, what. <laughs> they, honestly, they really do. And I, I think it's it, why though it's not healthy for us as human beings. Why do people categorize things? It's instinct. Uh, we've been doing it since time immemorial. Uh, it's, it's an, it's, it is clearly an instinct. Why that is, is, is open to an interesting discussion, but it's, it's definitely instinctual. It doesn't make any sense to me because I feel like when we start putting people in boxes, we right. really create a pretty dangerous precedent. You're in, right. In way but, too many ways. You're, you're 100% correct. But even people who are very mindful of putting people in boxes and stereotyping and grouping people up, they do it without thinking and they have to stop themselves. Yeah. And I, I honestly believe there is not a single person alive who does not instinctively categorize people, nouns, you know, people, places, you know, objects, whatever. They're always categorizing because it, it, it's, it's comforting to our psyche to do that. It simplifies things. Yeah. And if you don't, if you don't do that sort of categorizing, 
then you're facing the elephant in the room. That's the biggest elephant in all of our room is that we, you know, nothing is that simple. It's life is all about yeah. gray area. Yeah. And I we know. don't like that. The human animal does not like gray area. It's just instinctively, you know, it's, it's uncomfortable for us. So, yeah. uh, and again, I'm, I'm talking as if I'm a psychologist, I'm not, I don't know any of this stuff really. I'm, I'm just talking out of common sense right now. That's and, all and I'm doing. observation so, and experience. And yeah, I think that's important, right. you know, and we, we, we know what it's like to be categorized. I mean, we talk about, okay, so like one of the biggest things I've talked about is do you identify as a nerd or a geek? And a lot of times people will say, well, neither. Like, yeah, but you like nerdy and geeky things. Yeah, but I don't want to be classified <laughs> as a nerd or a geek. So, Whatever. but that's it. You're right. It's like, and honestly, what's the difference between a nerd or a geek? Who cares? It just doesn't even matter yeah. anymore. It's just like, you know, just be yourself and go from there. But you're right because even, oh my gosh, even with this conference I was talking about, one of the biggest problems that i have had is how to define the real brian show and because and i've heard this by the way from from listeners and viewers now because it is not in a box and it's like hey today we're going to talk about boba fett that's it because of that it freaks people out they don't (laughs) like it and they they get turned off by it and i'm just like but I mean, and I can't blame those people because we've been programmed. We have been as human beings. Right. We've been programmed to think like that. And so when things are not in that box, it freaks us out and we yeah. have to go down a different. And so it's just like, man, I, what are you going to do? You can't break that. It's instinctual now. Right. Yep. There cool. you go. Well, thanks, man. I appreciate you uh, sharing yeah. all that stuff. So very interesting. I learned a lot. Yeah. So, yeah. And it is interesting how we, we categorize each other. I think that's, the, that's my biggest takeaway is why we do that. But at the same time, True. to be fair, you know, uh, in fact, this was something that I found very, very interesting. And this is not a crit. It's not a criticism. I think it is a weakness, but I don't think it's a criticism. And that is when I interact with young millennials and even Gen Zers, I've noticed that with every single one of them that I've interacted with, there's a, they, an overarching lack of commitment hmm. in anything. You know, you see a lot of them not getting married right now, or they're they're getting married significantly later in life. Again, it's it's not a criticism because I don't know why they don't want to commit. You know, I don't I don't know what the root cause of it is. I think it's a weakness because when you don't commit to anything, you know, somebody suffers. But what I wanted it, what I'm curious about is why? Like why why is there such it's almost I mean, like a it's like, like a, a chronic flakiness? I don't know about flakiness. Like a a chronic, uh, like generation-wide flakiness almost. Well, I think it manifests itself as a flakiness, but I'm not sure that they're setting out to be flaky. I think it's more of a, they're scared to commit something maybe. Okay, so if you think about it, you look at like the golden generation, you know, which were our grandparents' age. You know, right. That was the golden whatever. Pre-boomers, yeah. Yeah. The the greatest generation. The greatest, yeah. Yeah. They understood commitment, period. I mean, they understood it. (laughs) boomers that's where i think the breakdown started to come when it was you know there was a a, there was still commitment but it was less now Hmm. xers you hear about tons of of divorce scenarios and other things like that especially in like the the younger boomers and in the gen x generation which is what millennials saw so then what are the millennials doing well they're rebelling against this is my like psychological opinion that has no i don't know okay i'm just i'm guessing here right yeah, and then, yeah. you know, so you see the millenn- the young millennials and the Zers, they saw something and they probably said, I don't want to deal with that. I don't want that. So we're going to do it differently. I don't think anybody's probably psychoanalyzed their actions. It's just 
what their generation does, as you were saying earlier, based on socio whatever that is, I'm yeah. just curious, like what causes that, and why are people like unwilling to commit? I, it, it's the it is the, I, honestly the most bizarre thing, but I see it with everyone in that age group. I feel like it has got to have something to do with social media in some way. I oh, just feel like too. it's got to have it's got to be influenced by that somehow. I really do believe in commitment. There are times where I think it's okay to say I need to step away from whatever situation I'm in right now. You know, contracts, agreements are there for a reason. Most people do not follow them anymore. And in fact, if somebody breaks a contract, they're not held responsible. There's no consequences. I think it's ridiculous, but... Then why have a contract? Exactly. But then it's like nobody's protected. So there is a value to commitment. I I firmly believe there's a value to commitment. And I think... Yeah, it's called called integrity. Uh, It just establishes... It establishes integrity with other people. But it's also an intention. It's to say, okay, we're going to go through tough times. We know that, right? There is no such thing as roses and unicorns and rainbows and fluffy bunnies. And it's just like, come on. There's well, there is. Well, there is. It's, it's called whimsy, <laughs> Dale and Shire and Diablo. But, you know, <laughs> what, what frustrates me is when the going gets tough, people, they, they run. And it's just kind of like, come on, guys. Like, the going's going to get tough. Fight through it. Get through it come out victorious on the other side. The relationships that are sustained through that difficulty are so much better on the other side. You know, commitment is a beautiful thing. Why don't people want to commit? I don't get it. I, and it's the easy thing. And honestly, sometimes it's, it's well, I, okay, that friend pissed me off. So now I, I'll just forget. I don't want to talk to that person anymore. It's easier that way. Mm. So it is easier. And yeah. again, that's why I think social media has a role because we've talked about this before. Social media has enabled all of us who are engaged in social media yep. to back out to ghost people and, yep. and and it's and it's totally socially acceptable because everyone does it it yep. enables that phenomenon and so that that <laughs> phenomenon kind of gets stuck in the psyche and and you just start to doing yep. it start to do that in other applications in your life well, so how many of us have snoozed or unfollowed or unfriended people that we didn't like what they were saying i think all of us let's be honest Especially even, even, this I, even me when I was back on back when I was on Facebook. Yeah. Even though it's been six years, but it's the easy thing to do. And I get and again, you know, we don't have enough time in life to be around toxic people and toxic scenarios. And I'm I'm a hundred percent on board with that. Right. And sometimes you need to distance yourself from that. And so but here's the other thing too is that are you willing to have a tough conversation with somebody? And are they willing to receive what you're saying? And are you willing to listen to each other, work out whatever the issue is? And and again, come out victorious on the other side. Now, most people are are probably not willing to do that. It's it's too hard. Don't like conflict, etc. And unfortunately, well, they don't have to. Well, and that's the thing. You don't have to. And then the other thing is, is that sometimes when you bring the stuff up, the other person's not willing to receive it, and they're just immediately like, "Screw you!" And then boom, you know, slam the door in your face, and it's all over. It happens way too much, and we're also bombarded with it on television and yeah. movies. In right, fact, right. Superman and Lois season two just came out. Well, first of all, I love the show, as you know that. And, and the first episode mm-hmm. is fantastic. But in the first season, they really embodied family values, strong marriage, strong family ties. It was wonderful to see this because you just don't see that very often anymore. Hmm. And then in the first episode of season two, well, there's some issues, you know, it's kind of like, okay, Clark and Lois are, are having a little issue. And actually the entire episode was kind of riddled with some, some relational issues, which I, I found to be kind of, now that I think about it, it's interesting. And instead of going to each other and saying, we need to work this out right now, they talked to their friends about each other and gossiped. And I was just like, 
dude, you're married. Go talk to your freaking wife. You know, come on. <laughs> this is ridiculous. It's not going to help. And, and it's, oh, so we're bombarded that's, with that. That's not new, though. That phenomenon is not new. That's ages old. Oh, that, I know. But it's, it doesn't help when we're when we're being like told that this is normal and that we should do right. this. It create, Dude, if you're not talking to your spouse or your significant other and you're talking to your friend about her or him. No. Yeah, it's a downward no. spiral. Yeah. It really is. So anyway, I, I, I appreciate this. And again, maybe um, I probably did come across as being a little critical to those who no. are not committal. But again, that was not my intention. It's more of a, why is it going on? It's, it's not healthy in the long run to not commit. Again, in a toxic scenario, it's okay, but it's good to commit. It's a beautiful thing. And so I just want to encourage people that are afraid of commitment to explore that and find out what's your fear, what's causing it. Can you overcome that? Commit to showing up to your job and not flaking out, you know, because you don't feel like going in or something like, I mean, there, there's stuff right. like that happening all over the place right now. I am very curious to know the root cause behind this kind of stuff, but we all have past hurts. We all have something that causes us to behave a certain way later in life. That's not our fault. It happened to us. What yeah. is our fault at that point is what are we going to do with it moving forward? Are we going to do something right. that makes it healthy for us? Or are we going to do something that harms us? Right. Well, I'm going to make this really quickly because, by the way, that was a great discussion and, and I appreciate yeah. you bringing that up. And we were going to talk about all the TV stuff that we're watching and stuff. But, you know, it's some, I'm kind of glad that we took most of this episode on this because we've done a lot of, you know, watching heavy kind of stuff lately. So <laughs> this is fun. I really appreciate it. But I just want to remind you that we are reviewing the Book of Boba Fett episode by episode on the YouTube channel. So if you're just listening to the podcast, make sure to go to the YouTube channel. It's just YouTube.com slash The Real Brian. You can find it. All of the episodes are in there. We've done one through four. We're going to keep going through the rest of the show and we're going through stuff. Uh, you know, like we're, we're, I'm still watching Cobra Kai. I know you're done. We'll talk about that later. Yeah. I just checked out Peacemaker, which was uh, one of the characters from the most recent Suicide Squad. It's John Cena. Yeah. It's his own show. And it's okay. the, I haven't finished the first episode because they're, they're longer episodes, which I appreciate, but it's just like, wow. Uh, some of it's hilarious. And some of it's just like, did not expect to see that. So um, I can't wait to see it. It's interesting. I think you're going to like it. Actually, it's, it's a very yeah, interesting. Good. There's some funny humor and stuff in there, too. But um, anyway, it's typical DC TV now where not Arrow, but Titans and, and you know, the Doom Patrol style. So very um, okay. I think it's pretty R rated at that point. And I mentioned Superman and Lois is back. Another one I wanted to mention, which I thought was really interesting is, you, you know, Jules Verne around the world in 80 days. Yeah. Well, classic PBS their masterpiece production company, you know? Yeah. Um, I don't usually yeah. watch PBS. My parents found it, but they're doing a production of around the world of 80 in 80 days, full on. Ep it's a full season, but David Tennant is the main character. Um, oh my gosh, dude. I, I'm just, we watched the first episode and it was amazing. It was fantastic. What well, is it? Is it a period? Is it like Victorian uh, era? Like the original or yeah, I mean, it's, what, it's, what's, is it a period piece? Yeah, it's it's more based on the the actual book, you know. Okay, like, okay, so the, it's not a modernized version. No, of the it's not like. Okay. Well, I, the Jackie Chan one, you know, that came out I don't know fifteen years ago. That was really really fun. It was a, but it wasn't really true to the book. It kind of based on it. Okay, this one's more supposed to be based on the book, based on what I remember anyway. But okay. it, it's really really good. Um, so if you're a big remind fan me, of that, check it out. Remind me who David Tennant is again. I've heard the uh, name. He was Doctor Who. He played. Uh, oh, okay. He's been in a lot, dude. But he was one of the Doctor Who's, and he was. Um, 
uh, Barty, Barty. Oh, anyway, uh, in, in, in uh, Harry Potter, was it Bart, Barty Krause Jr.? Barty Bot? Barty Bot? Barty Bot, yeah. <laughs> Barty, I can't remember his name now. Oh my gosh, she put me on the spot. Anyway, the, the bad guy, the... Anyway, bad guy. One it's of the been bad too guys. long. Harry Potter's old now, so it's okay. I know it's okay. Um, <laughs> and I think at this point, let's talk about the expanse next week. Is that okay, or do you want to just briefly talk about it? No, let's talk about it next week. That's okay. Fine. And you know what? What we're gonna do? Is, keep. Yeah, and you know, everybody's whether you finish it or not. It had six episodes. You've got some stuff you wanted to report on it. By the way, special thanks to Spider Pan. He posted a very interesting graphic, which is a. Uh, one of the screens of the vitals that you'll see in the last episode. Yes. He posted yep. that in the Facebook group. Make sure to go check that out. If you're not in the Facebook group, by the way, <laughs> links are in the description below on YouTube and in the show notes for the podcast, but they're the names they put in there. If you're a sci-fi fan, wow. We'll talk <laughs> about those really next good, week. Really good spread. Yeah. Yeah. And then wheel of time. We just, we wanted to kind of give our, our final thoughts on, and, and I still, maybe we should ask our friend if he wants to come on and talk about it. Cause there's some interesting stuff on that. And I finished Ghostbusters Afterlife. I know that that's like old news if you saw it in the theater, but (laughs) it just came out on streaming like a week or so ago. So, you know, some of you probably haven't even seen it yet. I want to talk about that as well. So we'll get into all that next week just because there's a lot of fun stuff in there. I also have some new music that I'll save for next week as well. But my gosh, it's just fun. Um, But yeah, keep keep checking out the YouTube channel. There's a lot coming on with that. Next week, I also want to talk about the Final Fantasy VII remake and my experience with that. Yes. I, I, I've got to nerd out about that. I have to. Well, so that came out on PS4. It's been, you know, a couple of years now, but it just couple finally years, yeah. came out on PC just recently. Just and last month in December. Yeah. Yeah. So I know you played all the way through it. I have it on the PS4 and I, I have not played it all the way through and, and you've inspired me now to say, okay, I just got to take time to do it because you gotta it, you. Well, yeah, let's just say that you think it might be the best game you've ever played. Is that correct? It has overtaken Alien Isolation as my favorite video game of all time. Hands down. I, I've never seen I've never seen a better production value video game in my life. Okay. The remake of Final Fantasy VII. Yeah. We're gonna talk about that next week. Y- yeah. You you've convinced me to uh to check that one out, man. It's I like that. ridiculous. Ten, GameSpot gave it a ten out of ten. I think it needs a twelve out of ten. It's that good. <laughs> yeah. So does the real Brian show. We need a twelve out of ten. <laughs> Dude, no, just go to 11 just, because just this, sh- it. this show goes to 11. Deep Thoughts with Captain Influence. I may be part of Generation X, but I identify as Generation Eastwood. Get off my lawn. Yeah, you know what the music means. Thank you so much for joining us. Really appreciate it. This was fun. I, I'm glad we got a little more into the unleashing of the superhero, a little more into the nerding out today. You know, I... I think it's fun so um yeah no really though good thank discussion. you though youtube.com slash the real brian real brian show.com show notes links below all that good stuff check them all out get off my lawn real brian show signing off the real brian show is a production of 514 media at 514 mediaempire.com